Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. Ken loves talking about cars and automotive trends. And here he is, the automotive host with the most, Ken Chester. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. This is our number two of Roadworthy Drive. I'm Ken Chester, your host in studio with Sasha Little and Jack Dillion together. We are better known as the world, as the Roadworthy Drive crew. We're glad you decided to stick around. Now, this hour, cybersecurity in your wheels, a movie check on the fate of the Furious, and we're wondering if that movie is for real and some of its claims. And finally, the all-new 2019 Audi e-tron SUV Pure Electric in an African desert mm. to scare electric charging infrastructure. How'd it do? We take a look. Right. All of that for this hour. Now, for those of you who want in on the conversation, you can call or text me via the Roadworthy Driveline. That number is 872-222-9793. If you're more of an email person, my address is ken at roadworthydrive.net. Either way connects you to me and the show. Speaking of the crew, please say hi to our resident curmudgeon and show executive producer, Jack DeLeon. Over at mic number two is our favorite crew member, the geeky girl with the snark on her lips, our own social media diva, Sasha Little. How are we doing? I thought I was going to have to get her oxygen after the last segment. <laughs> she'll be okay. I have never seen her laugh that hard. Yeah, she'll, be, she'll be okay. <laughs> yes. Other than that, I'm doing, I'm doing fine. I am doing great. You're, I feel do, you're doing better now? Energized, yes. I had my carrots. And my pair, and we're doing good. All we're going to say. Yes, sir. For the record. Uh-huh. Because I know this is going to be a memo from the suits. I, it, it probably. Kind, kind of is. Right, right. Uh, they also may concur uh-huh. that a Kirby does not qualify oh. as, as transportation. It can, though. Like, And if you're wondering <laughs> what we're talking about, Check you last go, hour, go, yeah. go to our website at roadworthydrive.com, and you can hear all of this and can... What is in the parts bin this hour? You know, I don't think he wants to talk about the curve. No, we have to go. I'm oh just my. saying again, cur- front of me. Time, <laughs> move. Oh my, oh my. Dad has spoken. Uh, that's it. That yeah. you might end up going to your room with no food, <gasps> no dinner. Do I get my internet? No. No. Oh. <laughs> okay, people. Here it is. Okay. And and don't hit. Don't hurt me. Try not to. Why full-size pickups save more fuel than the Prius. I'm walking away what? from this conversation. Mm-hmm. Here's, let me point the question. Okay, go ahead. Does the fuel economy, I'm sorry, does the fuel efficiency of a hybrid and electric vehicles make up for the higher premium of these low-emission vehicles? That's the question. Okay, so here's my point. Okay, let me just say this. Let's say, for instance, that I have a Prius and I'm... Prius. Prius. That and I'm moving. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to be driving my Prius, Prius, um, back and forth multiple times, as opposed to if I had a pickup truck, possibly two trips. So in that case, I could understand that it would be more cost effective and to drive a pickup. And you're laughing at me. Why do you laugh at me? You know what? Hold on. Throwing a carrot at you. Uh, uh, figures. <laughs> uh, that's vegetable abuse. 
What? By the way. I know. We should feel not sorry. Not my monkey, not my shirt. We should ah. feel sorry for the carrots, not for Ken. Wow. Okay, Ken, get your point. Anyway, the new 2019 Chevrolet Silverado and Ram 1500 pickups will reduce gasoline consumption and greenhouse emissions more next year than a Toyota Prius hybrid, despite the little hatchback's gaudy 52 miles per gallon fuel economy rating. Why is that? Because you're selling 100,000 Priuses last year. Oh, my. Did somebody get a text message? Apparently. As opposed to. As opposed to. Yeah, sir. uh, Both these vehicles sell four times that much. Actually, eight times that much combined. So, in other words, the advantage of the increase of fuel efficiency Uh in the new trucks will more than offset any fuel economy that the Prius can deliver. Partially, not so much because of its fuel economy. Right. But... The impact on the environment's less because there's fewer of them. It's not a one. It's not one car to one truck. It's aggregate. An aggregate, the full size pickups win. I just. I know it's hard. It's hard to accept the truth. Really. Really. That's what you're going to go with. I am. I am. I'm going to. I'm going to claim that the writer was biased. No. In addition, one mile an hour reduction for a high consumption vehicle like a pickup. Saves more fuel than a bigger reduction in a high-efficiency vehicle. Yeah. Um, like I said, last year, uh, the Prius sold 108,661. Through September of this year, 68,925. We talked about uh, here that the Ram was selling at a rate of 50,000 a month. We knew that the Chevy was selling at over 40,000 a month. So between those two trucks, and that doesn't even include the GMC or the other full-size pickups, just these three, just those two, yeah, they sell more pickups in one month than Toyota sells Priuses all year. How do you feel about that, Sasha? So in other words, fuel economy improvements in full-size pickups will generate a higher fuel efficiency and less greenhouse gases Mm -hmm. than the Priuses do. Mm-hmm. Here's my thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I say this as someone that's extremely biased. Are you, though? I am, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can understand the science of this, mm-hmm. and and I get it. Um, however, I'm going to refuse to acknowledge it. Okay, well, let me, let me pull this in a little closer for you. Oh, gosh. Last year. Uh-huh. 585,000 Chevy Silverados, 896,000 F-Series, 217,000 GMC Sierras, Ram, Ram, excuse me, Ram, Uh 556,000 pickups, and your Prius, 108,000. Actually, I have the exact number. It's 108,661. Why was the Tundra not included in that list? Uh, You'll have to ask the writer, but it doesn't even need to be. These these improvements, Uh one mile an hour improvement across all those pickups uh-huh. will actually generate a cleaner environment than uh, 100,000 Priuses. <sighs> and we ain't even got to the clean diesels yet. Fine. I'm just saying, folks. Uh-huh. I'm just saying. Uh, so, you know, food for thought. Um, and, oh, on the Ram. Of course there's more. Yes. The Ram 1500 even has a 48-bolt starter generator. Um that will allow it to start and stop, and they say that that will save upwards of 
improvement in fuel. Economy. Oh gosh, yeah, we've driven in. We've had that in a truck where it does. Is that, that like the Ford uh, automatic stop start? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That- Absolutely. And oh. Mm-hmm. There's still more. Okay, but how many how many drivers take that off? Because I know at least two certain someone's in this room <clears throat> that actually click that button to turn off that automatic. I don't, automatic I don't have to click that button because I don't have that option. Yeah, well, that's right. You don't. And here's I'm the sorry. Problem. I thought you did. And no, here's I the problem. You have to do it every time you start and, the vehicle, and which you notice at the first stop sign and or light. Mm-hmm. Now, food for thought. We haven't even talked about Ram's former. Eco Diesel 1500, which was getting 29 miles of the gallon on the highway. Mm. And sounded pretty, too. Yeah. And, ah, that's a good and now, Still looks like a Chevy. The new ones? Yeah, let, yeah. Let it go, yeah. people. Let it go, people. Looks like a GMC to me. Yeah, let it go. It's still outselling the Chevy, by the way. Yeah, because it looks like an but upgraded it's Chevy. Selling the Chevy. Because it looks like an upgraded let Chevy. Let it go. <laughs> Chevy's coming out with a, two, and we talked about this, 2.7 liter turbocharged four-cylinder engine. With 310 horsepower, and I will leave you with this thought. Uh-huh. If you go back 10 years, your 5.3 liter V8s were 303 horsepower. Yep. So the half the size of the engine delivering more horsepower. So does the new Chevy, Chevy truck look like an old Ram? Stop no. it. <laughs> Let it go, Sasha. No, no, but I will tell you this. My, yes, sir. My dad and I had a conversation this past week just exactly about that because he kept saying, well, how are they going to improve the gas mileage on these? I said, Dad, smaller engines, turbocharged. Lighter trucks. 10-speed uh, 10, 10 transmissions, lighter trucks. Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff is going to get the job done. Mm-hmm. Now, because they'll, they'll be- never get 50 miles to the gallon. That ain't going to never happen. No, but again, look at my... 2008 Chevy work truck, which gets nine feet to the gallon. It gets nine about, feet. About <laughs> nine, ten miles to the gallon is what uh, I get. Uh, compared to now, 15, 20. Mm-hmm. And that's in the city. That's not, we haven't talked highway yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And honestly, that truck gets better gas mileage fully loaded than it does just tooting around town. Yep. That makes total sense. Uh, yay for computers. That's the thing. So, um, so, Sasha, you're just going to have to grin and bear it. Uh, I'm trying. I'm grin trying. and bear it, honey. All right. Coming up, why Israel may be your best bet when keeping your ride safe from hackers. Stay tuned. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. You're riding shotgun with Roadworthy Drive. RoadworthyDrive.com to check out Ken's blog, listen to past shows, and the times when you can see the show on Facebook Live. What makes a champion? Not only performance but consummate style. Witness the Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme for 1985. Cutlass Supreme is the most popular car of the 80s. Its style, its grace, its artistry say champion. And you feel it in every move. There is a special 
Here's the sad thing. I was in college when that commercial came out. I, I was four. Oh, mercy. I was four years old. Uh, and, yeah. And I, honestly, that was probably one of the only Oldsmobile campaigns that I ever remember because of that end tagline. Yeah. Really? Yep. You realize that the most popular car GM built in the late 70s, uh, Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme production reached a million vehicles. One nameplate. Yep. One. One. And save for pickup trucks where Ford's hit that a few times, no one else has touched it. Yep. Folks, if you're just tuning in, this is the second segment of this second hour of Roadworthy Drive. I'm Ken Chester, and in studio with Jack and Sasha, we're better known together as the Roadworthy Drive crew, and so glad you could be with us. Now, cybersecurity, this is a hot point for us here at Roadworthy Drive. Uh, Jack, Sasha, myself, um, yeah, we all this information being shared back and forth, often without the consumer's knowledge or consent, uh, who's looking out for us? And I wanted to take a peek. Well, I'm going to go back to you again this week with, with Dad because I got to see mm -hmm. him a couple times this week. Mm -hmm. I was explaining to him about how my truck talks back and forth to Ford. And my father's not tech savvy. He's 88 years old. Okay. But the thing was, he said, did you give the truck permission to do this? I said, no, it does it on its own. And I said, and they claim that the information is... Um, Autonomous. Not anonymous. Anonymous, and they can't tell who it is. And Dad said to me, well, if you have if you have that truck licensed, Ford knows exactly who owns that vehicle, don't they? He said, well, yeah. The, well, they would know by the VIN. They'd know by the VIN. Yeah. But you're assuming that how they collect the information, at least in that case, is VIN-specific, which it may not be. Okay, but go on. So now we're going to talk about Israel maybe the safest place on Earth? No. Uh, we're going to talk about why Israel has an outsized um, stake in cybersecurity and probably for your vehicle. Okay. It has to do with something they call the 8200 unit. It's an elite part of the Israeli Defense Force that's become the training ground, actually, for some of the hottest cybersecurity companies in the world. See, in Israel, you have forced subscription. In other words, you go into the service. Yes. You turn 18, there is no choice. But they developed this, this uh, subsection of the Israeli military uh, because the government back in the day realized that all threats to their security are out there, not just on a military level, but also in cyberspace, and that, this, that Israel faced... A hundred of hundreds of cyber attacks each month on government websites and data systems. Now, this Israeli Defense Force talked about the 8200 unit. A lot of the companies, these these people come in, they draft them, they look for young computer savvy uh, recruits, recruit them into the 8200 unit. They get three years of intense training. They come out, go to college, then they start companies. There are 400 cybersecurity companies in Israel right now. And you know why that makes a difference? Mm. Why? Um, because your automakers have contracts with them. Oh, okay. Uh, for example, uh, these are just some of the recently formed uh, cybersecurity companies by uh, former um, folks in the 8200 unit that, went to, that did their time, got it, went to college, started companies. 
Yeah, Cyber Motive uh, teamed up with Volkswagen two years ago, uh, focusing on software that protects self-driving cars, connected vehicles, and smart mobility applications. Okay, another company created by a 8,200-unit alumnus who did college time. Uh, TowerSec, Harman International, which is a supplier, Canadian supplier, purchased the company, which focuses on protecting networks for connected and self-driving cars. Argus, last year, uh, German supplier Continental purchased the company for $400 million. It had only been in existence for four years. Their... Their thing, security for over-the-air updates, did someone say Tesla, Mm -hmm. and was founded by three former military friends. And in May, um, a division of Volkswagen, Skoda, um, uh, let's see, and uh, teamed up with an Israeli auto importer uh, to collaborate with four Israeli startups, um, which are, again, startups that were started by X-8200-unit military cyber defense people right now you're saying fine ken what's this got to do with me two words daimler benz general motors they both have r&d centers in israel that specialize in what oh i don't know cyber security mm-hmm. somebody and that has been my biggest complaint mm-hmm. about all of this technology from day one since we started this show Skoda and Renault are reportedly actively looking for companies to acquire a partner with in Israel. This is such a big business. They expect investment in Israeli cybersecurity companies in the next two years to triple. Wow. Wow. So chances are the people fighting for us probably did time in the Israeli military and have the chops to get it done. And to protect you and your vehicle. You wondered who was on our side? Yeah, probably ex-Israel ex, uh, military. Well, wow. and what I would have to wonder is at what point do you think that maybe the Israeli government would like to help our government out? In a way, they may be just doing that. They're training these kids. Yeah. I mean, and, and if you can imagine if they've got that kind of reputation spread throughout that doesn't hurt them at all. Needless to say, um, it would help because you're also creating a community that would be robust since I'm sure they would talk to each other. So any risk that's out there gets shared m- more quickly than if it had grown up organically like things do over here because they have that touchstone of that experience in 8200 unit. So we'll have to see. But – did I mention GM has an R&D facility in Israel? Yep. Wow. Yeah. So chances are. And I think the farther along we get with the technology and the connectivity of everything to the Internet, this is all the kind of stuff that we're going to need in place mm-hmm. so that people like me can feel comfortable buying a new vehicle at some point in time in the future. There you go. Next up. The Fate of the Furious is the eighth installment of the Fast and Furious movie franchise. It makes some pretty out there claims when it comes to the dark side of autonomous vehicles. (laughs) Are they for real? We explore that coming up. Don't touch that dial. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. This is Roadworthy Drive. 
WeareTheDrive.com is the place to keep up with the latest happenings with Ken and the show. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. We are Roadworthy Drive. I'm Ken, and along with Sasha and Jack, we are better known as the Roadworthy Drive crew. Thanks for listening. For those of you who need more than your share of the road, be sure to check out the show website. That's roadworthydrive.com. Listen to audio past shows and so much more. The website is also a good place to discover where we are in the universe of social media. Sasha is our handy-dandy social media diva, and she keeps things light and lively with her fun and interesting posts during the week between shows. Be sure to like us on Facebook so that you don't miss a thing. Now, Sasha has some surprises lined up just for you that follow her on social media, so be sure not to miss out. Yeah, you guys will want to check me out on Tech with Sasha. That is on Snapchat (laughs) and Facebook. And, of course, Instagram. Uh, He's over there making faces at me. Shush you. So, um, because, as you know, Wheels of Non-Consent is still a thing. And it is going in full force. That is a social media exclusive, however. And believe me, if you like muscle cars, um, people, you will want to follow me. Um, Did you bring it back? I, I mean, I did, but it needs another tank of gas. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Will I have enough gas to get to the gas station? I mean, it's a pretty enough car. I think you'll have enough volunteers willing to push it. Uh, it's Sunday. I doubt it. No, I had problems because I can't go anywhere without people gawking at it. Uh, I see. I mean, and when you start him, he roars. He doesn't purr. He purrs in idle. But when you're actually going down the road, no, no, he roars. So if you want to see what Sasha's talking about <laughs> and why she gets so much attention behind the wheel, I know that's be right. sure to check out Wheels of Non-Consent. It's back. It's happening. And it's exclusively mm-hmm. in our social media feed. Yes, sir. At this moment, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I really feel left out. What? Yes. What? Why you two get to drive the cars. I don't get anywhere near them. But you know what, uh, Sasha? Yeah. That is one. He's, he's that is one I want to drive. He's the executive producer, though. Yeah. Yeah. He produces. Yeah, you produce. We got to test out this stuff so that way well, you have material to produce. There you go. See there, it works out, Jack. It, it it's works o- out. It, it's okay. Now, if you want to step down and become a writer, then I mean, that's. I mean, we could work something. No. Okay. No. No. Car <laughs> movies. Car movies. Ugh. Hey, I like my car movies. I don't, especially the classics. Bullet. Best chase scene ever. Dodge Charger 440V8. Mm. Oh, was my that, God. Was that Clint Eastwood in San Francisco? Uh, no, no. That was Steve McQueen. Oh, yeah. I, that's who I meant. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, you saw the face, but yeah, I yeah. know what you mean. And yeah, then, exactly. And then, I get that. But he was driving the Mustang. I yeah. was I was for the bad guys in the Dodge in Charger. In the Charger. Order. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, stylish and fat. He wore gloves mm-hmm. and a suit. Right. I'm saying. I no, got I'm right okay. with you. All I'm seeing in that movie is Steve McQueen, and I felt very bad for that poor Mustang when it got totaled. See, and that's why I don't like car movies, because me, as I, I love cars. I mean, and for me to see these beautiful, especially like Fast and the Furious, where uh, these be, beautiful be kind of. cars get destroyed. Okay. I mean, that's a piece of okay, history. Okay, but hold on now. Other other movies that I like, uh-huh. uh, the remake of Gone in 60 Seconds, uh, the remake of The Italian Job, uh, I liked it. 
And, uh, of course, the overall favorite, Herbie the Love Bug. Oh, yes. Yes. Right? I didn't like the remake, though. Uh, no, I did not like the remake. I loved the I original. I love the originals. Mm-hmm. I watched those yeah, still. in the 60s. Uh, and, of course, the Fast and Furious movie franchise. Mm. Interesting fun fact. The first one they reco- the first one they shot. Yeah, I was down in Florida at the end of the Crosstown Parkway watching them do that. I actually saw those cars <gasps> in real time. I was on my way and due you didn't south. Save it in 2004. Did not have a camera with me, Sasha. Uh. And actually, I was driving a Volkswagen convertible. At the wait, 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 wait. Down wait, in the Florida Keys. Back that up. Uh, what? Guys, uh, what? Watch yes. the time. Let's yes. go. What? Come on. I was going to say you didn't have a camera with you. Not at that time. I find that hard to believe, sir. I know you do. In any case, and I'm going to miss Paul Walker, but that brings us to movie number eight in the franchise, The Fate of the Furious. The dark side of this actually talks more about the dark side of self-driving vehicles, uh, that's, and that's what we're going to talk about. So I thought a little myth debunking would be in order. Probably. Uh, for example, uh, and it's the one fella I'm looking at uh, a magazine Produced by Automotive News called Shift. And this is their interview. Uh, they wanted a reality check, and they got Charlie Miller, um, Cruise Automation's principal autonomous vehicle security architect. Back in 2015, him and his partner, Chris Valasek, famously hacked into a Jeep Cherokee driven by a wired reporter and steered it into a ditch. And that actually triggered the first recall um, of electric security systems in NHTSA's history. Yeah, it was them. Uh, the first one, and I was thinking about Jack this whole time. Uh, they've got this one episode where cars in an elevated parking garage uh-huh. get started and are driven off the garage into the street below. Like straight off. Straight like off. Didn't even go down the no, ramp. No, no, no. Off. Like Boom. off. Yeah. Attacking people. He said, could that happen? Yeah. No. Um, hackers can't start a car and then gun it because no one's ever attacked a car remotely and remotely change the gear from park to drive or reverse. It doesn't matter if the car is eight floors up in a garage, in the street, or in outer space. That is a fairy tale. And I was thinking about you the whole time, Jack. I'm sure you were. Uh, number- that makes sense. That you, I mean, yeah, you could start a car remotely, but to actually shift Put gears? Put it in gear. Not yeah, happening. Yeah, that's not. Yeah, yeah not going to happen. Uh, okay, number two. Okay. How about an army of autos swoop into traffic like a choreographed water ballet surrounding their limousine prey in elegant 70-mile-an-hour formations? Like in that movie um, with uh, Will Smith, was it? iRobot? iRobot, right, where all the robots came and they, yeah. like, surrounded. Uh-huh, and yeah. totaled his Audi. That yeah. was not pretty. It was not. Um. Yeah, no, that's not happening. He said no. First, a hacker can't get that kind of nuanced control over a steering wheel. He said, when they hacked the Jeep, we could turn it all the way to the left, probably go left, right, left, right or something. But 180 degrees in the street and hairpin turns, yeah, an impossible level of nuance. We could not drive like a remote control car. If you're driving behind the wheel and someone's trying to take control, there are three scary things we can do. We can put on the brakes, accelerate the car, turn the steering wheel, but we couldn't do them all at the same time. It's a big effort just to do one. So that ain't happening. Okay, but, and I'm going to take Jack's side on this, I'm driving my car, they can hack my car, throw on the brakes. Yeah, and that could be an issue. Uh, It could be a huge issue if I'm on 80 going 75 mile an hour in the middle of 5 o'clock traffic. I mean, that could be a huge issue. Back me up on this, Jack. Well, not only will I I back you up, but the thing is, the first time it happened to me, even if they could ship the darn thing into neutral, I'm shutting the car off. 
can, yeah, but they can start it, can't not, they? No, not necessarily. If no. I if if, okay. if if I turn it off, right? Okay. Okay, and it's in neutral. That's if you're alive. The car has to be in park. Uh-huh. The doors have to be locked to be able to remotely start a car now. Mm-hmm. Now, the one thing they said they could do uh, is make the car jump forward so you could, like, rear-end somebody. That's about it. That's about all the tricks that a hacker today, right now, could really do. Anything, if you're driving and they're trying to take it over, you could override whatever they're trying to do. Okay. With, what, with where we're at right now remotely, that's about it. So Fast and Furious is more fast and fictional than it is furious, (laughs) just so you know. Finally, a pure electric in the middle of the desert? What could possibly go wrong? The 2019 Audi e-tron SUV, that's next. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. We are Roadworthy Drive. You're listening to Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester on the Roadworthy Drive Radio Network. If you're just tuning in, this is the last segment of the second hour of Roadworthy Drive. I'm Ken Chester, and together with Jack DeLeon and Sasha Little, we are better known as the Roadworthy Drive crew. Thanks for dropping by. For this last segment, we're talking about the recent evaluation of a pure electric SUV in the middle of a North African desert with virtually no recharging infrastructure. The vehicle is the all-new 2019 Audi e-tron SUV, and I thought I'd share a little bit of what we learned. Now, no, we didn't get a chance to drive it because, of course, suits and road trips, yeah, not in the budget. Uh, but we did um, take a read at uh, the boys at roadshow.com by CNET. And uh, one of their writers did get a chance to uh, take a, a spin. I think it was Chris Parkert, Parkert I believe, is the pr- proper pronunciation of that. And uh, he did. And by this place, what he was talking about specifically was Nambia the middle of the Kalahari Desert under a screaming sun, his writing. Uh, and this is where he drove, for the first time, Audi's new SUV. Did I mention it is an electric? Yes, you did. Pure electric, not a battery electric. I'm sorry, not a hybrid. It is a battery electric, not a hybrid. You know, there's no motor. There's no gasoline motor working with the electric motor. Okay, First of all, mm-hmm. when they put it in this desert, and it's hotter than Hades, mm-hmm. um, I'm assuming that they had a fleet of people with them and that kind of stuff to try to make sure that if something went wrong, they could get it fixed relatively quickly. Ah, but things didn't go wrong. And that's the magic. Okay. Um, first of all, the sticker price for this thing? Over 100 No. But high enough. Okay, how much? $74,800. And developed a new form of what they call their Quattro all-wheel drive. They call it a two-motor through-the-road system. Now, anybody that knows anything about Audi knows that their Quattro all-wheel drive is iconic and legendary. I mean, they used to run, they used to run and win ro- world rally races with this configuration since the 1980s. And that thing is basically very solid. Uh, yeah, but this is a brand new Quattro system, completely reimagined. Okay. 
And that is totally, totally awesome. Now, was this done on roads through the desert? No. Or was it done? It was just done on desert sand. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Primarily because actually in a salt flat in the desert, because the salt flat and its consistency, mm-hmm. it's not pan flat, uh, but the consistency of the salt churned up is like snow. Okay. And I wanted to see how this thing handled in that deep, soft stuff. Okay. And it was a great way to evaluate it for real. Now, according to the writer, Audi went to great me- went to extremes to ensure that the e-tron isn't just able to execute the big yawning drifts on loose surfaces, but it's exactly the type of machine that is capable of goading the driver into doing so. In other words, the more you drive it, the harder you drive it, the more it encourages you to drive it hard. And that, that could be interesting. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, kind of like a muscle car. Kind Ooh. of like. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Yeah, the anyone, one you've been driving this week. Anyone who's, yes. Yeah, anyone who's ever driven a muscle car. Yes. A muscle car that's tuned right. Uh-huh. Yeah, you can putt-putt around town. You get into that thing at about 60 miles an hour, mm. and it just literally says, but you can go faster. It does, actually. Yeah. Like it whispers to you. It does. And then if you really set the cruise control at, at the actual speed limit, it will actually override it and start going 90. I mean, it's, I mean it will what? try to go a higher speed. You know what? <laughs> I've always thought that your right foot weighed more than your left foot, Sasha. <laughs> Now we know. Exactly. No, no. What it is is A whole new take on lead poisoning. My right foot actually has, it's afraid of heights. So it wants to be as close to the floorboard as possible. Um, Nice try. (laughs) Nice try. (laughs) Yeah. Not working. In any case, back to the Audi. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Range. They anticipate the range of this thing is about... uh, between 240 and 295 miles per charge. But check this out. This this is an electric SUV. Okay. 402 horsepower, 490 pound-feet of torque. This thing weighs little over two tons and will run 60 miles an hour in 5.5 seconds with a top speed of 124 miles an hour. Did I mention electric? Did it... Did the heat have anything to do with the battery charge? Didn't phase it. Okay. And that's the point. So they actually got the 200 and whatever it was miles out of it. That I don't know that he measured that, but let's just say nobody got stranded. Okay. We'll we'll leave it at that. And all the systems worked. Uh, As far as I know. I would like to know how well that air conditioning was doing in Um, that kind of heat. $74,800 Audi means perfect. Because, one, you're not going to invite riders to the middle of the desert if your stuff ain't completely perfect. And anybody that may not – you may not realize this, but your regular automobile manufacturers run your vanilla cars and trucks through extremes in temperature from International Falls to Death Valley. Yep. And that's just regular for the course. That's just regular because the vehicles have to operate in those extremes. And today's vehicle, regardless of what you buy, have been tested like that. I've got friends of mine who are journalists who have actually witnessed some of this stuff. And, in fact, I've been with uh, Acura in the winter up in Colorado. Um, let's see. Where else have I been? There have been friends of mine that have been with uh, Audi up in International Falls. Yeah. Yeah. And International Falls in the winter is not much fun. No. I mean, about as north as you can go in Minnesota without being in Canada. Correct. And it gets cold up there. Yes, it does. So – 
what they're talking about, again, like I mentioned earlier, the traction coefficient of this salt is actually approximate to snow. Uh, and they wanted to find out, or uh, they, they wanted the riders to experience how this thing actually performs. Now, an advantage of any electric-powered car with batteries is a low center of gravity. Uh, the battery pack alone on this thing weighs 1,500 pounds. Oh, wow. The car itself, the, including the batteries, car weighs 4,500 pounds. It's not light. No. But it's stable, predictable handling, uh, particularly on loose surfaces, which is the blessing. I mean, if it gets crazy, the vehicle don't get crazy because, again, low center of gravity and with its heft. It's also got a 50-50 weight distribution, which means the thing is literally perfectly balanced and with an electric motor, as always, you get instantaneous um, fluid power delivery without all those transmission gears to go through. So this thing should have been a lot of fun to drive. And they were able to tweak the performance as a result. Without all the mechanical stuff to deal with, you can literally dial in the kind of performance that you want as an engineer for something like this. So, yeah, we'll see. I'm hoping maybe we'll get our hands on one someday next year. And Sasha won't. That hmm. wraps up our time together for this week. On behalf of Jack, Sasha, myself, thanks for listening. And be sure to tune in again at this time next week when we do this all over again. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. You've been listening to Roadworthy Drive. Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is a copyrighted presentation of the Roadworthy Drive Radio Network. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or any other use is prohibited without the written consent of the Motor News Media Corporation.